It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson, the most important story. Out here in Colorado, we had a sex education bill that was passed. It was signed by the governor and put into law. I just can't believe what is happening to uh, public education. The latest in politics and world affairs. We are now using policy that if you don't affirm something, that they use policy then to take away your businesses. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Kids are just being bombarded with darkness. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. You know, we need to get back to letting our kids be kids. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh-oh. Indeed. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Indeed, it is hump day. I am Kim Munson, and we're going to have a conversation about what is going on out there. Hey, welcome, Producer Steve. How are you doing? Hey, it's not a Monday, so... (laughs) Yeah, Mondays are not your favorite day. Wednesday's a better day, and you love Fridays, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You got me (laughs) pegged. I got your peg. Well, we're going to jump in here. A lot of things to talk about. First segment, we'll go through some headlines. Uh, uh, impeachment. Uh, it looks like the Democrats are, are going to start that process. I think it's all because they just want to have a big circus. But we'll talk about that if we have time. This was just tragic what happened regarding this uh, young Swedish girl at the UN, Greta Thunberg, or Thunberg. Um, It's close, I think, to child abuse, what is going on there. And then uh, President Trump did give a very important speech at the UN. So that's what we'll try to get to in the first segment. Second segment, uh, Joshua Scharf has an excellent piece in Complete Colorado regarding the economic illiteracy of uh, those on city council and even the mayor of Denver regarding this forced minimum wage. And Steve, as you know, we look at these issues as freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And mandating a minimum wage actually hurts people. But of course, uh, with the radicals that have taken over the Democrat Party, they say one thing, they want to help people. But in essence, you could call it a youth unemployment program is what they're actually doing there, Steve. It- it takes my breath away because how one government, and I'm pointing, I'm doing what you do sometimes, I'm, I'm pointing out the window, I'm pointing to downtown Denver, how this government can be an island and not pay attention to what's going on in New York, in New York City right now. The upheaval that is going on in businesses because of their foray into minimum wage, you know, in terms of raising it, and the number of businesses that are either going out are radically changing, dropping employees, and and like Denver's like, oh well, I don't see that. I mean, this is this is something we need to do. You know, it's like we are hurtling towards this uh, to become a city like San Francisco or Los Angeles, which it is becoming. Those cities are cities of haves and have-nots. There are people that are dying in the gutters in those cities. There are people that are defecating on the seats, uh, the streets. We're hearing now of typhus, uh, leprosy, leprosy, if you can believe it, in Los Angeles. And because of policies, these cities are becoming third world countries, and this is not acceptable. And it's all because they're all about force and control instead of freedom. So uh, thank you, Steve. It's great to have you behind the boards. Thank you to the team, Zach. Patty, Keith, and Charlie. 
And to each of you listeners, thank you. You're each valued. You're treasured. You have a purpose to go out there today. Strive for excellence. Take care of heart, soul, mind, and body. And um, and so let's go ahead and jump in here. With uh, just first of all, we're going to be talking with uh, Joshua Sharf. Then in second segment, third and fourth segment, Casper Stockham has done a very important book. And it's the uh, the Great Black and Millennial Awakening, and so we'll talk with him about that book and what is what he sees being a Black American uh, in in Colorado now, and I, that's going to be a very important conversation in segments three and four. So to that, I thought a great inspirational uh, a piece of inspiration would be from Frederick Douglass, as you may remember, he grew up in slavery and then he uh, went on to be a real leader. In America, and he says, "Steve, this is very important. Where justice is denied, let's think about that. Where we have government picking winners and losers, where no longer are courts impartial. So he says, where justice is denied, where poverty is enforced. Again, editorial comment. Where you have uh, diversity council that's saying you can't work unless you get a certain wage." And what if you're not worth that wage? So poverty is enforced. Where ignorance prevails, again, uh, (laughs) to Joshua Sharf's piece, uh, economic illiteracy right here in Denver. And where any one class is made to feel that society is an organized conspiracy to oppress, rob, and degrade them. Neither persons nor property will be safe. That's Frederick Douglass. Is that not telling, Steve? Well, just think of the time those words were uttered and how much time has elapsed since then. Uh, Fortuitous. Very fortuitous. And so each generation has to make sure that we we stand for freedom instead of force, and that's what we look at every every day on this show. So, But everything's so serious, Steve. I've got a little bit of levity. Are you ready? Oh, please. Okay. What do Elizabeth Warren supporters call their roommates? <laughs> Mom and dad. Oh. <laughs> what slogan is on the Elizabeth Warren campaign bumper sticker? It says, do not steal. The government does not like competitors. Oh, yeah. And lastly, what is the difference between a magician and Elizabeth Warren? The magician returns your wallet at the end of the performance. Did you like those? Take that, Liz. <laughs> Take that. Okay. Yesterday, Speaker Pelosi moved to uh, start impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump, allegedly because he had contacted some of the leaders of the U- Ukraine asking about this deal of Hunter Biden, which is Hunter Biden's, or which is Joe uh, Biden's son. And uh, I think that, Steve, I think what's happening is the Democrats are trying to create create another circus. The Mueller report didn't work. Um, Russia collusion didn't work. And so now they're going to do this whole impeachment thing because I think that th- uh, that they're realizing American people, even if they may not like what Trump says or they may not like Trump's tweets, they love the fact that black unemployment is at an all-time low. Hispanic unemployment is at an all-time low. The economy is improving. Manufacturing jobs have come back. And uh, I think that they're like, we have to do something else. So you can see this is going to cost 
uh, millions of dollars of taxpayers' hard-earned dollars to continue this circus, and I think it's all because they are that I think this is kind of like a Hail Mary because I think that they're very concerned that Trump will real be reelected. What do you think? Well, even a Hail Mary has some level of uh, prospect of being successful. I don't see it. This is basically the the best display uh, of their complete and utter desperation. They see what's coming down the road. They see what's, you know, very well, and you've already said this in other words, what very well could be the outcome next year. And the desperation is just pouring out of their side of the house in this case. I, I don't know. They're playing with fire. Biden himself could be the biggest loser here. This could cost him the nomination because the more they try to shine the line light on what Trump has recently done with Ukraine, it's going to go back to 2016 and what Biden's son was doing. And it, it's just not going to work well for him. You know, what do you think about this? Do you think that because Biden is making so many gaffes and uh, there are so many stories, uh, I heard a story the other day, he plagiarized this, I think this was in the 80s when he was thinking about running for president. He had plagiarized somebody else's speech. You know, his um, his stories are, are very interesting, but that's what they are, uh, his stories where he talks about he did this or he did that. And we're seeing more often that it's a fabrication than truth. I mean, do you really, do you think maybe that they are doing this so that they can get Biden out of the race? What do you think? You're the second, or you're raising this, that question. It's the second time I've heard that uh, this week. And it's like, well, you know, somebody's itching to push the ejection button on him, but they just don't know exactly when or how to do it or who should do it. Well, and, so, you know, I actually think that this is going to turn out very positive for Donald Trump and very negative for the Democrat Party. I was looking for the stories on Hunter Biden and the Vanity Fair. And Vanity Fair is uh, uh, certainly leans uh, to leftist journalism, if you will. And this was back in May. Tina Nguyen, I think is the name. Uh, she wrote, in a move to trigger 2016 PTSD. The New York Times has published a nearly 3,000-word tale of intrigue involving the Biden family's various entanglements in Ukraine. In short, the story is this. In the final year of the Obama presidency, Vice President Joe Biden threatened to withhold $1 billion in United States loan guarantees if Ukraine's leaders did not dismiss the country's top prosecutor, Viktor Shokin. He's been accused of turning a blind eye to corruption in his own office and among the political elite. Okay, Steve, right there. You know, haves, have-nots, winners, losers. The pressure campaign also just so happened to benefit Biden's younger son, Hunter, who was then getting paid as much as $50,000 to sit on the board of Burisma Holdings, a a Ukrainian energy company that was in Shokin's sights. The question the Times raises but does not answer is were Joe's and Hunter's overlapping interest in Ukraine coincidental or corrupt? Uh, I think that probably what really happened here is there was corruption and collusion between Biden and Ukraine. I think Trump called some of the leaders in Ukraine to find out what was going on because this prosecutor had been, uh, there had been pressure to dismiss him. 
And I think that this, all of this intrigue is going to come out to show that uh, this corruption was went very high up into the United States government. And so I think that it's going to be really interesting what happens on this, Steve. Well, again, I said it before, they are literally playing with fire, and it's, it's probably not going to work to their advantage. I think that, that that's true. So just a couple of other comments before we go to break and talk with Joshua Scharf. I, I watched this young woman at the U.N., Greta Thunberg, as a 16-year-old, and I just have to say the anger, the anger that, that she has in a time where she lives in a country that is at peace and is prosperous and just this anger about all of the young people. She said she, the, her dreams have been stolen. Her child has been stolen. I think that her dreams and her child have been stolen by very angry adults in her life who, instead of care for children, they care more about their religion of climate change. And what they have done to her just absolutely breaks my heart. She said that people are suffering. You know, the, the, many of the poor in the United States live better than probably the pharaohs of Egypt. Uh, a pharaoh in Egypt would have probably loved to have just an old clunker that you could turn a radio on where, uh, because he was riding around in chariots behind a bunch of horses, kicking up all kinds of stuff. No air conditioning. Uh, n- you know, not the choices of food that we have. And so this young woman has been totally brainwashed. And then I don't know who arranges to trot her out in front of the UN. And this was a direct affront against America. Because if these people really cared about what was going on, quote unquote, with climate change, and I happen to submit to you that it's also called weather, they would be over there working to try to do something in China and in India with all of these different factories that are spewing things into the air. Instead, they continue to look at America and the American idea, which has brought more people out of poverty. And you do not see people lined up at the borders of any of these other countries trying to get in. And so what they have done to this young woman is akin to child abuse. To raise her to just be angry and not grateful for anything, it absolutely breaks my heart. Uh, Steve, quick comment, and then we'll go to break. Well, I've seen... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, all you know, lots of snippets of her her statement, her time at the microphone, and I mean, is it obvious that she was totally coached? Are those her own comments there? It was. It was just well, too it, neat and clean. Oh, to and to that point, she continued to read. But the sixty, the sixteen-year-old is talking about the the giga gigatons of co2 and then she says how dare you our our eyes on you i mean threats but uh, to your point there's no way a 16 year old would come up with all of those talking points and uh, so i think that some people should be hauled in on child abuse that uh, were involved in uh, you know first of all making her believe that and second of all trotting her out in front of the un like that i think that they should probably be brought up on child abuse because uh, to to um, just raise children to be so, you know, so angry just breaks my heart. But uh, let's go to break. Joshua Scharf is on the line with us, and he has a very important piece in Complete Colorado about economic illiteracy around Denver's minimum wage scheme. So let's go to break. When we come back, this important piece from Joshua Scharf.
At Hooters, you can watch the games with all your buddies. And when your buddies are the world-famous Hooters girls, there's always plenty of ice-cold beer and those craveable wings that'll knock your taste buds into next Tuesday. Hooters girls know plenty about football, but we really know the fans who live for it. So hang out with all your buddies all season long at Hooters, your official hangout for game day. Catch all the games at Hooters and enjoy a butter Bud Light draft with 10 boneless wings, just $10. Dined for two with the pitcher and nachos, just $20. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. You don't know. Welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, and uh, we're going to have a conversation with Joshua Scharf in just a moment regarding his very important piece in Complete Colorado about economic illiteracy of uh, Denver. Before we do that, though, knowledge is power. And three things I wanted to mention to you is Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial is uh, a new sponsor, a new uh, sponsorship partner of mine. And uh, he is a mortgage specialist and, in particular, reverse mortgages. And reverse mortgages can be a really good tool for people that are 62 years and older. And, uh, in fact, Jason McBride uh, with Presidential Wealth Management, um, you should actually go and and, um, do a discovery session with him because they look at all these nuances. But uh, Lauren Levy is going to be doing a uh, reverse workshop, reverse mortgage workshop tomorrow night. 6.30 6.30 at the Pace Center in Parker, and then again on Saturday at 10 o'clock. And so you can go to chickspresidential.com and sign up for that. You can go there. There's classes at the top. Click on that. And then the other thing, Jason McBride is going to be doing a Social Security workshop on October 1st. And, again, if you'd like to get to know Jason and um, and get some more information regarding Social Security, go to, again, chickspresidential.com. There's uh, classes at the top. And the other thing is Vino and Veritas is this Sunday in Castle Rock. And Dr. Cranawitter is going to uh, present about what the founders did about slavery. And with all of this slavery talk, with the New York Times coming out with their Project 1619, it is important to see the whole picture, not just what the uh, uh, pundits, the politicians, pundits, and professors are telling you. And so I would love to see you. I'm going to be there. So go to AmeriChicks.com. You can sign up there, and we'll get you all signed up. And so with no further ado, uh, Joshua Scharf, your important piece in uh, Complete Colorado, where you said there's economic illiteracy around Denver's minimum wage scheme. Welcome, Joshua. Good morning, Kim. It's a pleasure to be on. 
I tell you, you write such important, truthful pieces. Uh, so let's jump in here. You said earlier uh, last week, or I guess last week, elected officials at the city and county of Denver announced plans to hike the hourly hourly minimum wage from the current level of eleven ten to fifteen dollars over the course of several years. Why is this maybe not a good idea, Joshua? So currently, the, uh, the the minimum wage here in Colorado is eleven ten. Next year in twenty twenty, that's scheduled to go up to twelve dollars, and that's that's where that will end. Uh, there will be cost of living adjustments, but but for all, all intents and purposes, that's that's where that will end. The Denver City Council has been uh, sort of progressively, if you'll pardon the pun, moving towards raising the minimum wage here in Denver from uh, from from whatever the state minimum wage happens to be to $15 an hour. This has been a, a sort of a national union uh, talking point and campaign that's been going on. And they began by raising the minimum wage for state employees, or I'm sorry, for city employees and then for city contractors. And now they're finally moving on to, uh, to, to all employees here in the city and county of Denver. See, we've talked about the minimum wage before and why this why this will have a, a, a deleterious effect on the people who earn that. Most people who earn that are not who earn in that range uh, are not trying to support families, are not trying to, uh, you know, this is not their, their main means of support. Most people who earn the minimum wage, it's a temporary situation. It's kids who are, who are their first jobs. It's Maybe maybe seniors who uh, uh, who who you know are getting social security have or have a pension have some retirement and they just want something to do and so they'll go out and and, and earn uh, or earn minimum you know have a minimum wage job uh, that that and and people who who take a job who don't necessarily have skills who are supplementing uh, supplementing any company but the overwhelming and this is according to the to the U S. Um, uh, the U.S. government. So they, every year they publish a profile of, of who earns the minimum wage. So that's the overwhelming number of people. It gets sold as, well, we have to have a living wage. And what ends up happening, of course, you say, well, we have to, you know, we, we have to, we have to pay people more so that they can afford the rents that we have, you know, that, that we accord with our policies have, have driven up sky high. Right, right. And of course, what it all is going to do is raise the prices as well. So, so I'm, I'm not sure this is a uh, relatively sure this is not a net win for anyone. The one of the one of the crazier statements, though, that that uh, Mayor Hancock and Robin Nish, uh, who Knight Nish, who is uh, who's on the city council, said was that well, businesses should welcome this. You know, we have such low unemployment. This will make minimum wage jobs more attractive. And and my response to that, in effect, was attractive to who? I mean, if if you're if, if you're in this pool of people, basically, if you want work, you can get work if you're willing to take it at the low end of the wage scale. If you want work, you can get it. In fact, I, you know, you pass signs all the time. So we're paying fifteen dollars, we're paying thirteen dollars an hour. Businesses are already paying more than the minimum wage in order to to to, to get that sort of that last remaining group of people who who maybe need work or who want work who are who are unemployed. It's a very small pool. If you're earning, if you're already earning more than than, than fifteen dollars an hour. Uh, it's not going to. It's not going to be any more attractive to step down to 15 than it would be to step down to 12. So I'm not sure exactly who this is supposed to be more attractive to. It was a, it was a silly argument, and it's the kind of sort of blinkered thinking that we get from people when they're making these kinds of decisions based on based on politics and 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 and, and sort of feel good thought rather than considering the effect, the effects and the impacts this is going to have on people. Well, and Joshua, you know, we're concerned about our young people. And one of the most important things is, is, um, you know, my dad always said, I know he's quoting somebody, idle hands are the devil's workshop. And, uh, you know, you have to go to work. You have to learn to show up, work with people. 
And uh, my first job was at Daylight Donut and Chicken Inn. And uh, they did pay me a little bit. I probably should have paid them. But it was so <laughs> good for me to have that first job. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's tremendously important. It's tremendously important for people who are young. It's important for people who are uh, who, who maybe have, don't have a college degree, don't have a college degree there, or, or, or people who have, let's say, in, in the worst case situation, maybe they're they're coming out of prison. They've you have a you have maybe a someone who is who is coming out of a situation, maybe a family situation where they don't have a lot of support, and so this is an opportunity for them to learn job skills. That will that, that that will benefit them, you know, for the rest of their lives. That they're going to need in order for to to succeed for the rest of their lives. And so, you know, to cut that out from under them, to make it more expensive to hire somebody like that means it doesn't necessarily mean that in today's economy we're going to see bad effects. In today's economy, it'll just you know it'll it'll have a it won't it won't look so bad. But what happens when when we hit that inevitable cyclical recession and people end up end up unfortunately losing their jobs, it's going to make it that much harder for businesses to rehire people. Absolutely. So, hey, Joshua, thanks so much for being with me today. And I recommend people go to Complete Colorado, click on the banner ad at the top, and uh, they will see your very important piece, Economic Illiteracy Around Denver's Minimum Wage Scheme. So, Joshua, thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Okay, and Jason McBride, there's so much going on. Do you have any comments about this Denver's minimum wage. I've always thought it'd be interesting if they just did away with the minimum wage altogether. And I have a theory that maybe the actual low end would go up because you have a lot of companies that are paying the minimum wage or they're paying 10 cents more and saying, oh, look how generous we are. Well, maybe if you just didn't have one and the market forced these uh, wages to where they're supposed to be, you might actually see the minimum wage go up by itself. Well, you know, the other thing is, is people on an individual level can make their minimum wage go up. Uh, you know, you remember your, the young gentleman that uh, over at the um, convenience store at, at yeah, night Spencer, that you dropped by? Yeah, the manager now, by the way. Yeah, you had yeah. dropped by, you said, my gosh, you know, smile, he was working the night shift, and yeah. You know, really impressive. And then a few times later, you come back, and he's the manager. He he worked his way out of the minimum wage. He made himself more valuable. Uh, well, there you go. I think that's an easier way to do it. Or well, let me no. That's the better way to do it than having uh, the government just uh, force it up, and then it just goes up for everybody. Prices go up for everybody, and no one benefits. And the person that's out there, you know, busting their hump to do a good job, they're in actuality penalized because of this because the employer cannot pay him more because they're forced over here, again, that freedom versus force, to make that happen. Jason, your final thought. Uh, Well, my final thought, uh, we're going to talk about this impeachment thing. My only thought there is is to yawn. Uh, That was a foregone conclusion on the day that the Democrats took the House back. I I would prefer they just forget the whole charade that's been going on for the last year or so. Uh, They should have just taken the vote the day that they got in in January and impeached him in the House and been done with it. Yeah, but they want to have the circus, Jason. That's what they want to have. So, hey, so um, we'll we'll see how that works for them. 
That's for sure. And uh, you've got a workshop coming up, and so go to chickspresidential.com and go to classes at the top there, and uh, uh, you'll get all kinds of great information from Jason McBride. So, Jason, thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great show, Kim. Okay, thanks. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Casper Stockham regarding the Great Black and Millennial Reawakening. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at Americhicks.com or email Kim at Americhicks.com. I'd like to build the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson and we are having a conversation with Casper Stockham. Casper, welcome. Yes, it's good to be here. We've known each other for quite some time. Yes, yes. And uh, you are doing some exciting things. Uh, you have a new book that's coming out. Yes, yes. I've been working on it for a long time, even longer than we've known each other. Uh, you know, it's a work in progress, but we are now finally ready to release it. So it's in pre-order right now, or pre-sale. Right okay, now. okay. And where can people get information about that? Uh, they can go to greatblackawakening.com. GreatBlackAwakening.com. And so the name of the book is The Great Black and Millennial Awakening. Okay, that gets my attention, Casper. One other thing as we jump in here, though, you are also uh, running for Congress. I am. I am running to receive the nomination for the 6th Congressional District. That's uh, basically Aurora area. Okay. And Uh, that seat is currently held by uh, Jason Crow. It's currently held by Jason Crow. Uh, He beat out Mike Hoffman in the last cycle. Okay. And... um, there is a primary, so I have some primary opponents, but okay. uh, I feel I'm going to win against both of those gentlemen and uh, go up against Jason in general. Okay. Well, let's jump in here on your book. Uh, you know, there's a lot of conversations going on in America today. Some of them are not so nice. Right. 
Um, but uh, what is happening? Uh, uh, you talk about a great black and millennial awakening. Yeah. Let's jump in here. Yeah. Chapter one, your journey to enlightenment. Tell yeah, me about yeah. that. Yeah, so that's going to be basically my story of how I be, how I went from being a progressive liberal in mindset. I've never been a registered Democrat, but I, I grew up in a progressive liberal household. So it's going to be talking about my journey kind of out of that and into a more conservative patriot kind of mindset, you know, and that, and my um, journey is not much different than the journeys of like Albert Guillory or a C.L. Bryant or Thomas Sowell, you know, all these people who, who grew up, um, you know, maybe on the wrong side of the track or grew up in a, in a, in a challenging situation, you know, like Dr. Carson, right? Mm-hmm. He grew up in a challenging situation, but able to, to rise up out of that. And the awakening has been happening for a long time. It's very similar to the religious awakening that happened back in the 1800s and so forth. You know, it's kind of like that. But this is more geared towards the political spectrum. So a political awakening, if you will. It's a political awakening. It's it's um, people like the, the ones I just mentioned and others who have, uh, you know, like the Candace Owens now of the world, right, mm-hmm. who, are, who are waking up to um, what's happening politically and are now speaking out about it. And I really love her movement because even though there have been others like myself and others who are way older than Candace, right, who have already been out here for a long time, none of us really created a movement, right? So Thomas Sowell has been out here for a long time and, and still going strong, but he never created a movement, mm-hmm. right? He had a, you know, he's just a wealth of... Um, Brilliant. Brilliant economist. Exactly, exactly. But he never created a movement. So Candace Owens and the gentleman that created Walk Away, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's Walk Away, there's Blexit, there's Lexit, Okay, Latinos exiting the Democrat Party. There's um, Jexodus, Jews exiting the Democrat oh Party. Goodness. And there's Dem Exit, Democrats exiting the Democrat Party. So all these are creating this awakening that's happening, going across the nation. It's not, it's hard to detect it here in Colorado because we're almost like in this little bubble. Mm-hmm. It's like a blue bubble almost, right? So we're not, um, the stuff comes in through social media, but it's really hard to, to really get a, a, a feel for what's going on across the nation. On, um, in October 2018, right before the, the election last cycle, I went to D.C., and um, a friend of mine was going to be speaking at the walkaway movement. Okay. His name is Mason Weaver. And I saw he was speaking. I said, I've got to be there. <laughs> so, so I said, whatever you got to do, just get me in, right? And I was blessed to be a part of the walkaway. Um, it was like a gala that happened at D- in D.C. Okay. Uh, so a lot of people stayed at the Trump ho- um, Trump International Hotel and stuff like that. It, it was just a phenomenal time. But at the same time, the Blexit event was happening at the exact same weekend. So I'm hopping back and forth between the Blexit events and the walkaway events. I'm meeting Candace Owens. I'm meeting other black professionals that are just excited to be in D.C. They um, also spent some time at the White House meeting with the president. Very little of that was shown on the media. Mm -hmm. And then when they did talk about it, Al Sharpton came out and said that those folks with the mega hats were paid to be at the White House. You know, so there's a lot of pushback from the the quote-unquote leaders in the black community because they literally see their their control kind of melting away. And these young professional black men and women are just excited to be um, free 
and released. Well, and, you know, speaking of that, we really focus on this show as dissecting these issues as freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Exactly. And another word for force is control. Yes. And uh, when you look at these Democrat-controlled cities and states yes. and how everyday black people, millennials, how they, well, let's say the blacks, mm-hmm. have been faring in these cities, yeah. it's not very good. And no. I love the fact that you leaders are stepping up and saying, this is not okay. Right. We're going to do something about right. it. Right, right. We're going to push back on it. And, and again, I'm, I have to give um, Candace Owen credit because she's able to, she has started this movement, you know, this Blexit movement, right? Blacks exiting the Democrat Party. Now, the thing is, um, and the part that really gets me upset is that she's doing that, but we, uh, we as Republicans, as conservatives, are not reaching out and welcoming her into, you know, into the party. Now, no one would ever turn her away, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if she showed up at a Republican event, she'd be welcomed with open arms. Mm-hmm. But there's no reach out. We have to do the reach out part, right? The outreach and the reach out into the community to start to celebrate these events when they happen. And once we do that, we start to win the the um, perception of the community. Right now, the perception of the community, as far as Republicans go, is that you know, Republicans are racist and whatever. Just we, that narrative that's out there. Yeah. So we have to f- fight that narrative. And I know it's kind of sounds silly to have to fight something that's not true, but perception is reality, right? So. Well, you know what? And, and uh, actually, I think this was Hitler's... Um, propaganda minister, and I, th- I, I can't remember his name right now, but he said, if you say a lie often enough, eventually it becomes truth. And that's exactly what's happening. And so that's why we have to fight back. But I think there's a lot of people, Casper, uh, blacks, millennials, a lot, a lot of people are saying, wait a minute, you told me this, but I don't think this is true. I think they're, they're trying to match that up. So it's probably this enlightenment that you're talking this about. Is, that is exactly what I'm talking about. So in the book, we talk about the black millennial awakening, but the awakening is happening across the nation, you know, with all those organizations that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. We just don't have room in the book to cover all of them. You know, I'm going to touch on all of them, but, um, you know, we're not going to cover them in detail, but we are going to cover the black and millennial awakening. So earlier this year, I was talking with Scout Ennis, and uh, she had just finished her thesis talking about, um, well, she interviewed a bunch of black conservatives, right? And that was a bad move for her because she was progressive liberal when she started. Really? (laughs) Yeah. She grew up in a progressive liberal household, and she was, you know, she was a product of her environment there. Of her environment. She started interviewing um, Elbert Guillory and Derek Wilburn, myself, and other uh, prominent black conservatives. And over time, a very short period of time, she realized she was, um, you know, she was being lied to if you will you know she didn't she didn't know the full truth and by the time she was done with her paper she was uh had become a conservative and now she's a a registered republican well and speaking of that you know we're doing this uh with dr cranowitter vino and veritas study of the federalist papers and there is a, a young mom who is attending and she and i had coffee and she said kim i never learned this in public school and it's almost like she felt like she had been lied to yeah and uh, so there is a great awakening. I don't think that we're going to get through all the chapters here. So let's uh, let's choose another one. You said, why black conservatives and millennials matter? Yeah. So in the political arena, if if and when, and this is what we're trying to usher in, and Candace and others are trying to usher in this awakening, because when that happens, 
Um, and the party really starts to understand the power of the millennials and the power of the black conservatives, it's over. You know, if they send us in with resources and, and, and support, you know, to go into the inner cities, the, you know, the black communities, Hispanic communities and so forth, they send us in with resources, it's over. The, the Democrats would never win another election ever because the truth would be just out there, right? When I go into the community now, and even if they listen to me and I say Republicans are, you know, awesome people and stuff, you know, just like us, you know, care about the family, care about mm-hmm. the, the kids and stuff like um, They say, great, Casper, it's so wonderful. Where are they? And that's when I have to stop because they're not behind me. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I've been out in the community for a long time, mm-hmm. right? I, I have a, um, like an eight-year degree right, in outreach. A PhD. PhD <laughs> in outreach. And um, I have to always complain that I don't have the support. I need to really make that huge difference that we need to make in the community. So that's why black and um, black conservatives and millennials matter. Well, they matter a lot. And uh, one of the things that you're talking about, you know, all of these exits from all of these different intersectionalities, if you yeah. will, that is what the Democrat Party has, has worked to devi- mm-hmm. define people by groups yeah. instead of the individuals that you are, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the whole idea about the American idea is these rights for everyone given by our creator of life, yeah. liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And here's, here's another thing that's interesting. So that. All these groups are, are exiting the Democrat Party or leaving the Democrat Party. There's really no group leaving the Republican Party. Or if they do, they're just leaving because of the, the inaction of the party. In other words, they say, you know what, you guys aren't standing up for, um, you know, for lower taxes. You're not standing up for, um, you know, a balanced budget. I mean, all the things that we want to happen, they're not doing it. That's why people are leaving the Republican Party. Well, and I think that that uh, real leadership is what is in order here and real leadership to to move us towards limited government and to really talk about these important issues that are facing us. But Casper Stockham, let's go to break. This is Kim Munson. We are talking about your uh, new book. You can pre-order it at greatblackawakening.com. And the title is The Great Black and Millennial Awakening. It's by Casper Stockham. And you said that Scout Ennis has also contributed to this. Okay, very good. Well, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. This week at the 88 Drive-In Theater, enjoy three scary movies under the stars, all for only $9. It, It, Chapter 2, and Scary Stories. Admission includes all three features. Monday through Thursday, don't forget the very popular pizza special. And new on the menu, try a churro with a cup of hot cocoa. The 88 Drive-In Theater is open every night of the week, so get directions now at the 88 Drive-In Facebook page or 88drivein.net. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. 
Find a full list of advertising partners on AmeriChicks.com. Welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, and we are having a conversation with Casper Stockham about his new book that's coming out, The Great Black and Millennial Awakening, uh, Enlightenment in a Free America. What a title. Yes, yes. I, you know, I, as we were putting it together, it's gone through several title changes, you know, so and um, when I was talking with Scout and, and some others and stuff, and I started to really think about it, this is very, it mirrors the the great enlightenment and awakening that happened on the religious uh, side, mm-hmm. you know, when we first started to build uh, America. So it's the same kind of thing, but now this is the political awakening that's happening. Well, and we have a, a lot of work to do. We are in a battle of ideas right now. Yes. And uh, you've been engaged in this for quite some time. You are running for Congress. Yes. And how can people find more information out about you? So they can go to Casper for it's the word for F O R Colorado.com. They can learn a lot about the campaign, a lot about me and a lot about the issues, you know, that mm-hmm. um you know that I support. So it's Casper for Colorado.com. Okay. Now your book, there's ten chapters, mm-hmm. and in the last segment we talked about your journey to enlightenment yes. and why black conservatives and millennials matter. Yes. But let's talk about chapter six legitimized racism racism it seems like if if you disagree with somebody these days you're you're called a racist exactly so so what does this mean here legitimizing racism yeah so in a society today um as you said racism has been legitimized to where now if you notice all the all the political candidates running for um president on the democrat side i think every last one of them has said that Donald Trump's a racist. Mm-hmm. The the news media does not say um, suspected or potential or anything like that. They just say his racist tweets, mm-hmm. right? They don't even put any, any uh, um, question as to whether it's racist or not. So right now it's become very legitimized. And the Democrat Party has always used that as a tool to control individuals in the, in the community. Now, it's funny, though, because... At the ICE Detention Center rally that happened a couple of weeks ago, so Michelle Mulkin was out there, mm-hmm. Tom Tancredo was out there, Randy Corcoran was out there, I was out there, Susan Beckman was out there, um, Patrick Neville was out there, right? And we had a hundred plus patriots or people supporting the ICE um, and let's set, let's set this up and, and let people know what had happened. This this uh, rally was in response to a uh, a previous rally where, in essence, uh, protesters came on mm-hmm. private property, took down the American flag, took right. down the Colorado flag, right. uh, stomped on it, uh, yep. ran the Mexican flag up the, exactly. the flagpoles. So this was in response to this. This is in response to that. So there were counter-protesters that also showed up at the at the facility. Now, there were probably a dozen or so of those protesters, but they also had a megaphone, you know, so they were... A few of them, but very loud. Very loud, very loud, you know, so they were doing that. So I always like to engage people in conversation. I'm not afraid to go up to somebody and say, okay, so what are you protesting? You know, why are you here? Mm -hmm. So so I did that to a couple people, and then I walked over to this... Did they have an answer? Not really. You know, they had the talking points, and they said I had my talking points, they had their talking points, so we're just kind of talking. Now, I did have some... Decent conversations with one or two people there that weren't yelling and screaming all the time. 
you know they had their you know they just started barking out stuff and i said well okay let's you know let's try to talk about that you know and then they kind of would get off on different um, subject but one crowd i went over to i walked up and one of the um one of the young men in the crowd said oh here comes their token n-word and he said the word mm-hmm. and you know, and was he black white or you know um or do you know he was He's very light-skinned. He has sunglasses on, so I didn't really... The the reason I asked that question, uh, Casper, is because I find it racist that depending on what the out-of-cover of of you are, you know, whatever color that is, that some people can use that word and some people can't. Yeah, well, he he felt empowered that he could use it because he's light-skinned and the crowd um, says he's black. You know, I didn't even care. Somebody, (laughs) a Democrat called me the N-word. So I kind of lost it a little bit, and I said, you did not just call me. I mean, yeah, I was kind of shocked, really. Mm-hmm. Right? I said, you didn't just call me that. And I said the N-word back to him. I said, you didn't just call me that. I said, you really didn't just call me that. And all this is on video. We oh talked for about gosh. 10 minutes. Okay. But only about two minutes of it are on video, right? So, so um, and the one young black um, kid that was there, there's only one black kid there, and then mm-hmm. the this light-skinned kid was there and then a bunch of people from all different Mm -hmm. whatever. So he came over, and then my friend that was filming it, he said, your friend just called my friend. The N-word. The N-word, but he said it. And instead of the black kid defending me, what he said was, you can't use that word, you know, to your point, because he's a white guy that just explained what was happening. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't allowed to even explain it using the word. Right. It, I mean, it was just foolishness. But that has, you know, but that goes to this chapter, which is this whole thing has been legitimized to where they can call. And it doesn't matter if if a Democrat is calling a, a black conservative that it's not a problem. But if a but if a white conservative even mentions it, it's a problem. It's just. It's just it's really totally, upside down and it's totally you know, upside down. You know, we need to come together. We need to to unite. Mm-hmm. And um, I've thought about intersectionality. The first time that I heard that word <laughs> was from a, a student, a college student. And I'm like, what on earth is that? Yeah. And for people to uh, hopefully that uh, they don't understand that is this has been something that has been pushed by the three P's, politicians, pundits and professors. Yes. Uh, and uh, trying to define different people as a group right. and that is very dangerous very dangerous very dangerous yeah. to do that yeah. and, and that's what they do you know that's how how they have legitimized the whole the whole process so we have to fight back on that we have to push back on that which is what i did at the ice rally mm-hmm. we need to continue to do that so um you know we just have to keep pushing back until the rest of the world sees you know the ridiculousness of that um, and of and that i think and i think the veil is coming off and as you mentioned candace owens She's a young black conservative who she's got guts. Right. I mean, she really, really has guts. But I think that we have an intersectionality here for freedom. Okay. And that is bringing together blue dog Democrats, people that are going, wait a minute. I'm not communist. Yeah. I'm not socialist. Right. Where this Democratic Party is yeah. is not where I'm at. J- uh, JFK was a Democrat. Today yeah. he would be a Republican. Yeah, conservative Republican. Conservative yeah. Republican. Yeah. So blue dog Democrats, mm-hmm. um, unaffiliated, mm-hmm. libertarians, mm-hmm. conservatives, and Republicans. Yeah. We need to all come together mm-hmm. to work towards freedom for all, yeah. limited government. 
We need to come together to unite. Yeah. And I think that's happening, uh, Casper. I know it's happening, and that's what I'm said. Um, I said earlier is that Colorado's kind of like in this in this blue bubble, but it's happening across the nation. Trump has a 50 percent approval rating in the Hispanic community. 50 percent. He has about a 20 plus percent approval rating in the black community. Now that doesn't sound like a lot. That's but significant. It, it's double what it was for prior um, presidents, right? So those two numbers combined, along with the blue dog Democrats you're talking about, those numbers alone are going to ensure that Trump wins um, his second term in 2020. Now, the challenge is not Trump, actually. It sounds like it's <laughs> it almost sounds um, opposite of what people think. People think Trump's the problem. No, the Republican Party is the problem because the approval rating in the black community for the Republican Party is still in the single digits. That's the problem. If we start to change that perception, it's over. You know, we win every election from here on out. Okay, they never win it again. Well, then we have real work to do. So speaking of that, uh, the Senate race here in Colorado is a very important race. Cory Gardner with whoever the challenger will be, which is probably going to be John Hickenlooper. Yeah. And uh, and I know that there's folks that have been maybe frustrated with Corey on some of his mm-hmm. votes. However, if you look at it, I think that he he tends to 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 vote pretty conservative. But there's you know there you never you'll never agree with anybody a hundred percent of the time. Right. Right. But the other component of it is 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 you look at the two different candidates. Mm-hmm. John Hickenlooper kind of comes along as you know, hey, Mister Friendly or whatever. But mm-hmm. you look at the policies. Oh yeah, the executive orders that he did on the way out the door. Yeah. they hurt everyday, hardworking people. They hurt the black community. We need to be able to communicate that. Right. And uh, Cory Gardner stands for these things that are moving us towards freedom. And we need to message that yeah. across the spectrum, not only to the black community, to millennials or to to women. Mm-hmm. But uh, Donald Trump, since he has gone in, gotten into office, has created – well, not he hasn't created. Okay. He's gotten out of the way. Sure. Reduced rules and regulations, lower taxes. Casper, over 6 million jobs have been uh, <laughs> created. Yeah. That changes people's lives. We, we have more jobs than we have people to fill them right now, right? But the challenge is still, again – it. If the Republicans understand what I'm saying, if we reach out to the black and Hispanic community because the job, uh, the unemployment rate in those communities specifically is still high. But the, so there's people there that need jobs, but they don't have the training for the jobs that are available. So we need to train those individuals. If we had an initiative to do that, specifically to do that, that would help. It, turn, see, it seems like we should, we should uh, get businesses together to do that. I don't like government doing no, that. Well, yeah. you know? And I'm not talking about government doing it. Doing it, but I'm talking about them talking about getting the businesses together, right? Um, Trump does this, yes, and that's why he's successful, right? But I like Corey a lot. I want him to win. Me too. I definitely would vote for him over Hickenlooper or any of the other folks. But when's the last time Corey said that? You know, right? Talked about those initiatives. When's the last time that he said anything about the Trump initiatives, the the um, um, economic development issues that Trump is uh, is pushing for, um, the First Step Act, Second Chance Act. You know, all these things that Corey could be championing um, that and, Trump is and doing. I th- and in I the think community. that would work well for him. Yeah. And uh, and it is important also if if this seat would happen to go Democrat and some of the others, you're going to certainly see then impeachment um, proceedings mm-hmm. continue yeah. with President Trump because because the, the radical progressives cannot let him have four more years. Right. Because if we get that and reduce rules and regulations, if you can get into Congress and, and reduce spending. Yes. 
The sky is the limit for everyday hardworking American people, no matter their age, their race, their Mm -hmm. gender, whatever it is. Uh, It will be really exciting. So, Casper, we are just about out of time. But thank you so much for being here. And, again, your website for your campaign. Campaign is Casper for Colorado. It's the word for F-O-R, Colorado.com. And the book is um, Great... blackawakening.com. And you can pre-order now. So Casper Stockham, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And our quote for today is from Frederick Douglass. He says, to suppress free speech is a double wrong. It violates the rights of the hearer as well as those of the speaker. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.